You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Oh, yeah. Alternative news, analysis and current hands. affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am oh, to 8 30 am Good morning everyone and welcome to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Today is Tuesday the 1st of August and it is 7am. My name is Fung and in the studio I'm also joined by Ifka. Good morning. Good morning. Happy first day of August. I, on my ride this morning here, I, like you can feel it. It's a little bit lighter. It's definitely warmer. I'm not wearing thermals and jumpers on my ride anymore. Yeah, there's a gradual Very gradual, change. but it's coming. Um, I feel like you can always feel it coming when it starts to get really windy. <laughs> it's like the sign spring is coming <laughs> yeah which is great but also I don't love the wind so sometimes mm, on the upside though I've started to notice some cherry blossoms coming out so yes. that's a good sign yes I've noticed that as well um which is very exciting uh have you got a busy month of August coming up uh yes yes Melbourne International Film Festival is on, which I will be around at and seeing films. I've started doing the dreaded and exciting plan, trawling through the program. Um, I've, I've become very methodical with my technique the last few years of just picking which days I can go and then working backwards. That is such a good idea. Yep, you've got to weed out some somehow. So, yep, start in a very pragmatic sense, pick days that I'll go and then sort of work back against clashes. I also preference movies that aren't in regular cinemas. So I think one of the exciting things about MIF is you get to see cinema uh, movies in the Forum and the Capitol and the Comedy Theatre, etc. So it's nice instead of just going, well, not just going, but seeing in Hoyts or Kino where you can go any time of year. Definitely. Those, well, thank you for, for your tips <laughs> on how to make the most of the Melbourne International Film Festival. I haven't yet done what you've done and just open all these tabs and watch trailers and short list, long list, all of those things. So I will do it. it it's fun, but it's quite, it's quite a task. It is very overwhelming. I think they have like over 200 films or something astronomical. So yeah, it's start slow. <laughs> and, you know, I really enjoy watching movies. I, I don't, I'm not really um, in on the buzz around certain films. So uh, I will be very easily swayed if someone tells me mm. to go watch something. Yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it, actually. Yeah, it could be your other tactic to wait till like the midway point of the festival where you start getting recommendations or there does just start to be a natural buzz or they start to release additional sessions of movies that were popular and that sold out really quickly. So you could look out for those as well. Yeah, 
Okay, well, we will bring you more <laughs> myth talk <laughs> as the festival begins. Let's go through what's coming up on the show this morning. So we're going to start by replaying a conversation that Annie from Solidarity Breakfast had with Sharon O'Dell, who is a landowner and forest defender, about the lack of change and ongoing fight to save the Bulga forest. So that's coming up first. We are then going to be joined by Councillor Sue Bolton, who will join us on the show to update us on the Sydney Road Accessible Transport campaign and also tell us a bit more about the next action, which is planned for Sunday, uh, September 17th, um, and that's going to kick off uh, Friends of the Earth Transport Equity Week as well, which is going to be great. After that, we'll be joined by Emma Dines, who is the Student Union Environment Officer at the University of Melbourne and also one of the organisers for the Welfare Not Warfare National Day of Action. Uh, This is a series of rallies across the country um, organised by the National Union of Students. They are protesting AUKUS um, and also demanding that that money Um, is going back into the community uh, through welfare, public housing, um, and, yeah. We will then finish the show uh, with a revisit of an interview that Two In Times' Marissa Sparasso had with Jenny Weber, who is campaign manager of the Bob Brown Foundation. They talk about uh, Dr Colette Harmson, who was jailed for three months in Tasmania, for defending the Tarkine Forest. D- uh, Dr. Collette has been an activist with the Bob ba- Brown Foundation for 10 years and is a scientist and wildlife veterinarian. Awesome. We should probably mention now we are also going to play some awesome local music at the end of the show to celebrate uh, the Matildas win against Canada last night, 4 0. Yeah, a landslide. (laughs) Yes, which is very exciting. So that's what's coming up on the show. We'll be back with the news headlines right after this. Hiroshima Day Rally for Peace and Against Nuclear Submarines, AUKUS and War. Nationwide commemorations and events will be held on the 78th anniversary of the US dropping nuclear bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Join millions of people across the world in sending a powerful message, never again. On Sunday 6th of August at 1pm at the State Library of Victoria. For more information, you can visit the Facebook page No AUKUS Coalition Vic, a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast and here are the headlines for this morning, the 1st of August. We just played you an announcement about the upcoming rally that's happening on Sunday the 6th of August. So that's Hiroshima Day, never again, um, campaigning for peace, not war, no AUKUS, no nuclear subs. So if you are able to uh, please come down to the State Library of Victoria on Swanston Street at 1pm this Sunday, August the 6th. If you'd like to find out more about this event, uh, you can go to the Facebook page No AUKUS Vic. Uh, this 
event is being organised by the No AUKUS Coalition of Victoria, which is a group of unions, peace and community organisations, faith groups and progressive and socialist groups and individuals. Uh, just want to give a warning to listeners that the following news item contains the name of a First Nations person who has died. So four people who have been accused of um, fatally in, uh, bashing Indigenous Perth schoolboy Cassius Turvey are scheduled to stand trial for murder in early 2025. Cassius Turvey, a 15-year-old Nunga Yamachi teenager, was allegedly chased down and attacked as he walked home from school with friends on 13th of October last year. Uh, he suffered serious head injuries and died in hospital 10 days later. The four people who have been charged appeared on Monday via video and audio link in the Supreme Court in Perth, where Justice Joseph McGrath uh, provisionally listed their trial for the 10th of February 2025. It's expected to run for eight weeks until 7th of April uh, due to the large amount of evidence uh, due to be expected against the group, including CCTV footage. Prosecutor Ben Stanwyck said the brief of evidence was expected to be filed next week. In other news, um, Gumbangia custodians on July 31st were forced off their land by Forestry Corporation New South Wales, which closed public access to the Newry State Forest. On the same day, uh, the... State, uh, sorry, Fire and Rescue New South Wales officers extinguished a sacred fire lit by senior elders and f- um, physically forcing them off their ceremonial grounds. Elders said that no consent had been given by forestry to log 2,500 hectares in Newry State Forest west of Valor between Urunga and Maxville. The Gumbangia have set up a protest camp and are standing strong. Finally, from 2024, gas connections will be banned in new homes in Victoria. Uh, Gas connections will be banned in all new homes and government buildings built in Victoria from next year. The announcement has been backed by environmental groups and the property and construction sectors, Uh, but the opposition has warned that the change could increase household energy bills. The Victorian government announced a major energy reform on Friday as part of its plan to reach net zero emissions in the state by 2045. The government estimates that the change will save households up to $1,000 on their annual energy bills or $2,200 if they have solar installed, as well as reduce emissions. The Greens backed the reform but said that the benefits would be undermined by the government's backing of coal and gas projects, such as gas drilling near the Twelve Apostles. Um, So we'll see what happens in that area there. And that's all we have for the news headlines this morning. Uh, We'll be back with a song right after this message. ...has community meeting rooms available for hire at subsidised rates. Perfect for small meetings, student study groups, Zoom conferencing and seminars. Facilities include free Wi-Fi, display screens for presentations, projector and sound system and a Zoom conferencing system. HEPA filter units have been placed in every meeting room. You can book and pay via their website, rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650-1599. Ross House is a 3CR supporter.
Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast. We're going to play you a song now. Uh, this is by Jewel Owusu, who is an artist and producer from Nam. This song features singer, writer and producer Sophie Damazi and it's called Hertz. the song Hurts by Jewel Owusu. The logging of Bulga Forest on Birripee Country in New South Wales is destroying the homes of koalas and greater gliders that are already in danger of extinction. It is also wrecking the upper catchment, leading to downstream erosion, landslips and muddying of the creeks and rivers. It removes the most effective carbon capture and storage technology we have, trees, in a time where we most need it to draw down carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Save Bulga Forest near Taree thought a change of New South Wales government would save the old growth forest, but the next round is just about to begin. On the 22nd of July, Annie McLaughlin from Solidarity Breakfast spoke with Sharon O'Dell, landowner and forest defender, about the lack of change and the ongoing fight to save the Bulga. Here's Annie. G'day, Sharon. How are you? Good morning, Anna. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, and you're from Save Bolga Forest. Now, earlier, before the uh, New South Wales election, we were following what was happening in the Bolga Forest because Save Bolga Forest was, uh, you know, a very important uh, thing going on uh, near Tari. And you must have thought that there was a possibility that uh, there was going to the forest, the old growth forest, was going to be preserved with the change of government. Well, we we were hopeful that with the election and a new government, you know, things might go in that direction. But since since the uh, the new government's taken over, there hasn't been anything said about protecting native forests and forestry corp are going hell for leather. Uh, so, unfortunately, at this stage, there's uh, there's nothing in, in you know in sight, but. Uh, we've been very focused since the election on citizen science. Um, we've had an ecologist come out with us into the forest and we've been out a few times now looking for koalas and uh, we know they're in there <laughs> and we know they're breeding because um, we've seen different sized scats. Uh, we saw a young koala in a tree. Um, but we've also seen greater gliders. Uh, so, you know, it's a thrill to see a greater glider. Um, and we think that, you know, with the amount that we, we saw, we were, we were quite surprised to see so many that we think maybe now that this is a stronghold for the greater glider. Uh, so, you know, even more important to defend and protect the Bulga forest. Because um, well, yeah, there's, there's a um, similarity, isn't there? I hadn't realised that there's a similarity in the, for the koalas and the great gliders uh, in the way they they graze. Well, they yes, they both um, have a diet exclusively of, of eucalypt, um, tallow wood, and grey gum, sort of being their preferred. But yes, they they have a very similar um, sort of eating they they come out of a night they're quite slow in the forest they're very selective and so you know the, the gliders are just the most beautiful things they're about the size of a cat with an enormously long tail and wow. um, um, they can be black or white or a combination of both and the cutest pink ears and we were out uh, not so long ago uh, in the forest spotlighting and doing some surveying and uh, their little eyes just shining out we were just blown away with the amount we saw uh, so you know we're going out again very soon to do some more surveying and hopefully with the evidence that we're able to um, collect it will be you know an even stronger case to save this beautiful forest. Well, one of the things that uh, you've pointed out is that the government actually doesn't take much time collecting this data. Well, that's the thing. We, we don't have any idea even on the numbers of, of these endangered species in the forest. Um, that's exactly right. <laughs> they don't really... Um, I don't think they really want to know yeah. what, what's uh, out there. Yeah, exactly. That that's uh, that's why citizen science is so important. And uh, I don't know if you know, and I don't know if it's happening in New South Wales, but in Victoria they just passed legislation that uh, is specifically designed to criminalise uh, citizen scientists or people going into uh, coops. 
I um, was very interested in the fact that the Forestry Corporation, which is a government-run uh, business, is uh, non-transparent. And in fact, the uh, Save Bulga Forest have become incredibly attuned to watching the signs, using the websites to fathom what it is that they intend to do. Well, yes, that's we do have some very um, diligent watchers to see what's going on, and we've just just sort of in the last week, um, saw that the forest out here has been closed and it's closed from July through till next January. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah, so that was really alarming to us um, and we've, you know, rallied together again and uh, having lots of meetings and working out, you know, what, what we can do going forward now. And um, we have, you know, we have... a. a a lot of things um, in the pipeline. We we just, you know, all holes are barred now. We just need to protect and defend this forest and so many people that live in this community and also, you know, that come come up here are very passionate about defending the forest. Um, so who knows? <laughs> so, well, you've written to the New South Wales Minister for Environment and Forestry uh, what was in the letter and what are you expecting from them? Well, we haven't heard anything back, but we're all, you know, I actually didn't write that letter, so I can't tell you exactly what was in it. Um, but all, always, as a, you know, a call to stop native forest logging until we can get more of an idea of the numbers of the endangered species, where they are, you know, to protect certain places, uh, the old growth forest in the Bulga forest, it does have some old growth trees and, you know, we need to identify and keep as many of the old growth, of course, as we can. Um, it takes you know, nearly 100 years to get the, the hollows needed and the gliders actually need um, the old growth and the trees as well for their flight paths, not just for their, for their food source but for their flight paths, um, that's something, you know, that hasn't been, you know, really talked about before. Um, yeah, so we're, we're just hoping that they can see sense and sooner rather than later uh, we stop native forest logging. So, Sharon, uh, you're specifically focused on uh, the Bogger Forest near Taree, but do you have a perspective on what's going on in New South Wales in general in this area? Well, all up and down the east coast from, you know, Irimba right up um, to northern New South Wales. Uh, there's several forests around here, the Lawn State Forest, the Yarrett State Forest. They're all being smashed. We go out, you know, regularly and it's heartbreaking to see, you know, what they can do in a day now. So every day that we can halt the logging and stop it in an area that's a win um, because the devastation that can happen in one day even is terrible as i said you know forestry corps seem to be just going gangbusters while they can and we have people you know sort of trying to protect and defend the forest everywhere um, but it doesn't seem to be doing you know for now it, it doesn't seem to be changing much 
they're not listening. Um, and I was because you're on the ground and you actually go out into the forest, and so it's an ever present and uh, very disturbing uh, feeling to feel that uh, the natural world around you is being decimated. Um, but uh, are there conversations going on and uh, coalitions going being built between people who live in the city and where you are? Um, look, not in. The, I I would say in the city it doesn't seem to be as people don't know. You know, it's such a, a hidden thing, and I don't think the people in in cities necessarily have an understanding of just how important and um, you know, sort of almost to the point that the, there's hardly any forest, large forest stands left anywhere in the world or in Australia. Definitely other people in the communities up and down the coast that, is, that can see it for themselves. You know, we support them, they support us. We, we try to, to help where, they, where we can. They come down here sometimes to help. But, yeah, it's sort of, um, sort of preaching to the converted in some ways that all the people that, that are on the ground are the ones that know what's happening. Um, it's hard to get that word out. That was Annie McLaughlin from Solidarity Breakfast speaking to landowner and forest defender Sharon O'Dell about the continued fight to save the Bulga forest. To keep up to date with this action, you can go to savebulgaforest.org, Bulga spelt B-U-L-G-A. We're going to play another track for you now. This is by June Jones, who is based in Sydney now, and she's an alt-pop singer, songwriter and producer. This is her latest track, Good Girl, which was released a week ago. Just wanna be a good 
June Jones with her song, Good Girl. Last month on the 17th of, uh, or two months ago actually, on the 17th of June 2023, two to 300 people attended the Accessible Tram Stops for All rally to launch the campaign to win Accessible Tram Stops on Sydney Road before proposed rail upgrades remove eight level crossings in Brunswick. Regular listeners may have heard the powerful speeches being broadcast on city city limits here on 3CR. Joining us today to update us on the campaign to fight for accessible transport along Sydney Road and to talk about the upcoming action is Marybeth Councillor Sue Bolton. Welcome to 3CR, Sue. Hi, Song. How's it going? I'm really well, thank you, Sue. Um, Thanks for joining us again this morning. I'm sure many listeners would know about the campaign for accessible transport along Sydney Road, but for those who are perhaps unfamiliar with this campaign, could you please talk us through the current situation regarding public transport in the city of Marybeck? Yes, well, a, a very small proportion of the tram network in Victoria, in Melbourne is accessible, something like 15%. And some lines that have low-floor trams, like Sydney Road, Brunswick, don't have accessible stops. And then there are other lines where there are low-floor trams but no accessible stops. So it's just a ridiculous situation. But And there has been a bit of a campaign um, uh, to try and get accessible... Uh, public transport by December, which has got just gone. That was a legal obligation of all state governments with the federal government, but the date has come and gone without any um, real advance at all. And there's no money in the state budget for accessible tram stops other than some accessible stops on um, Lonsdale, uh, Latrobe Street, I think it is. Um, but... Things came to a head in Sydney Road, Brunswick, because the state government announced that they were going to shut the upfield train line down in about two years' time for a considerable period of time, 18 months, 
while they do uh, elevated rail and remove the level crossings in Brunswick. And there's a particular person, Christian Astorian, who's lived uh, near Jewel Station for over 20 years. He gets everywhere by train. He obviously can't jump on a tram. He uses a mobility scooter. And, you know, he goes to work on one side of the city, um, sees his elderly mother on another side of the city um, and all the myriad of other things that people do in their lives. And he does it all by train because he can't use a tram. And so when the train line shuts, that basically means a shutting down of his life. Like, you know, you can't take 18 months of sickie and and your boss still pay you. Um, and, you know, uh, taxi, accessible taxis and taxi vouchers are not an option because there aren't that many ta- accessible taxis. You have to book them a long time in advance. You have to wait forever for them. Sometimes they don't show up. So you can't, um, you know, it's just not, not suitable, it's not a replacement for being able to get around by public transport um, that's accessible. Um, He couldn't do what he does at the moment. And when the line has been shut for maintenance before, he's often taken sick leave um, or holiday leave or something. And that's not possible because the line's shut down. And it's also unfair. So our campaign is for accessible tram stops to be installed on Sydney Road before the upfield line is closed for level crossing removal. And hopefully, if we can build up enough momentum and win this campaign, that momentum could carry forward to other lines which are also desperately in need of accessible stops. Yeah, um, you you said just before that it, only 15% of the tram, work, tram network in the city is accessible for wheelchair users, which is incredibly shocking, um, and, but also, I have to admit, unsurprising. Um, sorry, Sue, so I think there's a bit of echo. Oh, is it, can you still hear the echo? Uh, I'll try again. No, that sounds good now. Thank you. Okay, oh, good. Uh, so it seems both shocking, but I have to admit, unsurprising that something called tra- public transport is not made available for so many people in this community because we know that very often uh, people with disabilities are excluded from a lot of services. Um, but, yeah, I it, it seems that still in 2023 it seems outrageous that that is still the case for so many people. Um, have the government su- has said anything about... about- providing alternatives for the 18 months where they'll be closing the upfield line and bike paths? They just talk about taxi vouchers and um, accessible buses and there aren't enough accessible buses and also people have had the experience of being left behind by accessible buses. There are very few accessible buses and given the number of level crossing projects across the state, it's like there aren't sufficient accessible buses to really um, to be a genuine replacement. Um, and and ditto with accessible taxis. There aren't enough, and so people have to wait for long periods of time, at least an hour, to get one, and sometimes more, 
sometimes you have to book two or three days in advance and and sometimes it might still not turn up. So it's... Um, and sometimes they might get a better job or, or easier job and go off to that rather than pick up someone with a disability. So it's, it's not really an answer. It just means a lot of people with disabilities and mobility issues will be more isolated at home, will go out less and will just become more isolated uh, unless they've got people they can rely on to take them around who you know, might have a vehicle that's suitable, etc. that's providing they've got a friend who's got a vehicle who might be suitable. But often people don't necessarily, depending on what your particular situation is. And I think the politicians have gotten away with ignoring this issue because they think, oh, well, there might not be that many people with disabilities. So, or maybe they're, you know, because they've got so much going on in their lives, they don't hark up as much so we can get away with ignoring it. And what we want to show is that there's a huge number of people who've got who are affected by lack of accessible transport. So, you know, the, the people who've, you know, got permanent disabilities or permanent mobility issues, which means you know, they're really badly affected. Then you've got parents and carers for small children in prams. Then you've got people with temporary disabilities who've maybe broken their leg or whatever. And then you've got people, a lot of seniors who don't necessarily consider themselves disability, having a disability, but they actually have mobility issues. So really they're in the same boat as people who've got disabilities. And a lot of us have seen, you know, the elderly pensioners who've got their shopping or shopping trolleys who, you know, chuck their um, shopping trolleys or shopping onto the tram and then haul themselves up the steps. And they probably don't consider themselves as having a disability, but they do have mobility issues and they struggle with the tram. And so, you know, that would be the case all over Melbourne where there, where there is a tram network. So we're wanting to try and reach out to all the different sectors of people who are affected by um, by access, the lack of accessible transport to say it's not just a disability issue, it's you know critical for people with disabilities, but there are lots of people, including people who've got temporary disabilities, where you know they've hurt people have hurt themselves and can't use um, you can't use the trams, and and we really have told the politicians that we expect to win. There's two years before they shut the uphill line for the level crossing removal. So there's time for them to install the accessible tram stops. And in fact, they're actually removing more level crossings than they are installing tram stops. Level crossings are way more, billions more expensive than removing the accessible tram stops. So the accessible tram stops are a much easier easier thing to do than the level crossing removal, but they haven't done it. They haven't prioritised it because the governments choose priorities with their money and they must have decided that there's more votes in level crossing removal than there are in accessible public transport. 
and we want to build enough momentum that they're forced to shift their priorities. Yeah, it it seems like such a small gesture that will have such a positive impact on so many people in the community, not just, like you said, people with permanent disability, but but for all people who might be experiencing mobility issues. So it, it seems quite... Um, Puzzling. Well, we we know why. Like you said, it's the money, but it also seems ridiculous that they've taken this long. Um, Sue, I wanted to turn now to the huge action that's planned for Sunday the seventh Sunday the seventeenth of September, which will kick off the Friends of the Earth Transport Equity Week. What can you tell us about this upcoming action? Well, we in the early days of planning it. Um, so our next action will be Sunday the 17th of September at 1pm in the afternoon. Um, it'll be held where we held our last action on the corner of Wilson Avenue and Sydney Road. And we will have a special event as part of the action. We haven't really decided what what that will be yet, but we'll, um, you know, we'll have something uh, happen at the rally um, and we'll have a short march. It will probably only be a short march because, you know, there will be lots of people with mobility issues. Um, And so that'll be um, a really important action and it's great to be able to use it to kick off Transport Equity Week. I mean, there's many aspects of Transport Equity Week from, um, well, lack of public transport, lack of accessible transport, and also unaffordable public transport. And uh, so all of those things are about accessibility to public transport. And this is a really big one. And we really, you know, we've got a lot of groups have signed a sign-on statement. And, um, you know, they include uh, disability groups, transport groups, local groups, some unions, we really want more unions to sign on. So if someone's listening and you're part of some group, um, it could just be a general community group, it could be a union, it could be um, a local group in the area, but you don't have to be a local group in the um, Brunswick or Meribeck area. It could be you know, just a group that wants to show your solidarity for the cause. Um, we really want you to sign on. Um, so I can read out um, the email in a tick. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's really... Uh, that, that we want to really build that day up. Our last action had about 250 people, and that was the biggest of the um, accessible tram stops rally that have been held. And so we really want to make that bigger because we need to build this campaign so it's big enough to win so that it can't be ignored by the politicians and also so that it is big enough that if we're forced to it, um, we can take civil disobedience action. And in historically, um, the government of the day tried to close down the upfield train line permanently in the early 90s and a massive group of people came together, local community people, trade unions, disability rights activists, and fought to save the upfill line. And there were a lot of disability rights activists, including blind activists and wheelchair activists, 
involved in blockading the upfield line to save the train line, and they won, and life would be disastrous in the Murabek area and further north um, in the Hume Council area if we hadn't won that campaign. So there is that ability in the community. Um, we're not there yet, but we want to build towards um, towards that. Um, and if people would like us to send them information, um, our, the name of our group is Sydney Road Accessible Tram Stops Now. That's our campaign name. Um, and we've got an email, which is um, satsnow0 at gmail.com. I think I might need to leave that email with, um, with uh, 3CR. And my phone number is 0413-377-978. If you would like to be involved in helping with the campaign, we're about to... Well, we hope that the council will print us 20,000 leaflets for letterboxing and and hundreds of posters for putting up around the traps. Um, so if you'd like to help us with, you know, flyering or um, with leafleting or postering or um, like your organisation to sign up, uh, we've also got a Facebook page, um, Sydney Road Accessible Tram Stops page, and... Um, what else? We're, and we've got this sign-on statement, which we can send to you if your group would like to sign on to that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, Sue. And we'll make sure to have all this information in our show notes as well. So when people that's go back great. to listen to the podcast, they can uh, keep up to date with the campaign. Uh, that's all we have great. time for this morning, Sue. But I did want to thank you for coming on the show to tell us all about what's happening with the campaign and to uh, let us know what's coming up in September. Hopefully we can get lots of people down there on the 17th. Uh, but for now, thank you so much, Sue. And uh, we'll chat to you again soon. No worries. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. That was Councillor Sue Bolton speaking to us about the next action for the Sydney Road Accessible Transport campaign on September 17th. To keep up to date with the campaign, you can go to their Facebook page. It's SATS Campaign. And to connect with the campaign, you can email them at SATS n-o-w-0 at gmail.com we will also post a link to the petition that you can sign on our show notes later today for listeners to sign and share we'll be back with our next interview right after this 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Indigenous people in Australia and the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing. And this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives 
saying that, yes, there is uh, certain hazards, but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash, unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning, that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice. And as we fast forward to today, we see that same thing. 3CR, keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time, it's important to have a voice like 3CR, steady, constant, sane and committed to a nuclear-free Australia. Emma Dines is the University of Melbourne Student Union Environment Officer and organiser for the Welfare Not Warfare National Day of Action. Emma has also organised many climate rallies as well as protests for abortion rights and protests and the protests against Posey Parker. Emma joins us on the show this morning to tell us more about the rally organised by the National Union of Students to protest AUKUS and the involvement of universities and to invest money into welfare and public housing. Welcome to 3CR Breakfast, Emma. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, the National Union of Students is organising a massive day of action on the 9th of August, with rallies being organised for various cities around the country. Can you start by talking us through the disastrous impacts of AUKUS and the importance of saying no to this military alliance? Yeah. I think uh, the AUKUS um, alliance and the submarine deal puts us on the road uh, to escalating um, a war between America and China, um, and that's like really one of the fundamental reasons to oppose the um, whole submarine deal, because uh, all around the world right now, um, uh, countries are rearming, remilitarizing, uh, investing in weapons. Um, Japan just recently came out to ditch its rhetorical um, commitment to pacifism. Uh, similar things are going on in, in uh, the NATO alliance. Um, and Australia, yeah, wants to, to uh, get on, on board with all of that. And this just drives us uh, towards a war um, it could be devastating, um, a war between two nuclear-armed superpowers, America and China, um, in our part of the world. Um, and the consequences of that, uh, yeah, would be catastrophic. Um, you know, they'd affect millions and millions of people throughout uh, this um, part of the world, but also all around the world. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of the key reasons, I think, that we have to start to... Um, yeah, organised like opposition, which students all throughout history have done, most notably um, with the anti-Vietnam War uh, campaigning in the 60s and 70s. Mm, totally. And we saw disastrous effects back then from what this sort of military action can take. So it is uh, really scary to know that countries are looking to move in that direction again. Mm. We seem to hear a lot of reasons as to why the cost of living is so high, rent is so high, welfare payments can't be increased, and yet we want to spend $368 billion, which seems incomprehensible. What are the demands of students when it comes to funding? Yeah, uh, the, the submarine deal, right now they're saying it's going to cost $368 billion, but estimations have shown that it might blow out upwards of half a trillion dollars. Um, which is just a slap in the face, I think, to ordinary people in Australia right now. There's not a single house uh, or a rental property that you can, um, 
yeah, rent um, as a full-time worker, you know, an average wage um, of like an aged care uh, worker wouldn't um, uh, allow you to live uh, without being in rental stress right now. Uh, Centrelink remains um, at poverty levels and um, yeah, all the while they've they've act, but they tell us they don't have money, but they have yeah, you know, uh, billions of dollars for weapons of mass destruction, <laughs> um, which is uh, what the submarines uh, are part of, um, as well as you know tax cuts for billionaires and and all of that. Um, so yeah, uh, like our argument is that the government should actually spend that on um, you know investing in public housing uh, instead of what the uh, state labor premiers are doing right now, which is systematically. Uh, ripping apart uh, public housing estates all across the country. They should uh, double, um, you know, youth allowance and job seeker, um, and they should stop indexing HECS with uh, inflation um, uh, first and foremost, but then also just abolish HECS because it's, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, just a tax on, on poor people um, and their right to, you know, study um, at universities. So... And there are a million other different things, um, you know, with the with, with us being in the midst of the cost of living crisis that the government should actually spend those billions of dollars on um, that isn't just handouts to the rich um, or, um, yeah, uh, weapons um, that drive us closer to, you know, a, another war. Mm, totally. Can you talk about the role of universities in this orca deal? Yeah. Um, universities in Australia have a long history, um, going way back to um, having connections with um, the Australian Defence Force. My own university, Melbourne Uni, um, a few years ago uh, at a careers expo actually invited the Australian Defence Force um, along with a couple of other um, fossil fuel companies and weapons companies um, to come and, you know, spook uh, a career in, um, you know, the, the Australian military to... Um, 18-year-old university student to try and recruit them, um, and uh, like it's that's a similar thing that plays out on university campuses all across um, the country. Um, at ANU, um, they're quite excited about uh, the prospect of nuclear-powered submarines because it means we will have to start uh, digging up uranium and construct a new uh, nuclear industry in Australia. Um, and so they're trying to jump on board with uh, opening up a department dedicated to developing up new nuclear scientists. Um, and there's also lots of weapons companies that are connected to uh, different universities. Uh, and the university administrations just allow them to use uh, you know, STEM students to help them design and develop uh, new technology, um, which you know, basically just means they're helping design the next bomb or um, fighter jet um, it can be sold by these uh, war profiteering companies. So at RMIT, you have Albert Systems, um, which uh, yeah sells to um, the Israeli um, army, for instance. And um, at Melbourne University, you have Lockheed Martin, which has its own uh, science lab, the Stellar Lab, um, and they're one of the biggest weapons companies uh, in the world. So I think the ties between universities and weapons companies run quite deep and part of the protest that we're organising next week is to call attention to that, um, as well as the, the nuclear-powered submarine deal, and say that we want universities not to be schools of war, but actually places of education um, that can be used to develop you know, a better future for all of us.
Mm, totally. It's a strange like space to have this mutually beneficial relationship in when it could be so disastrous for our future. Do you have any suggestions for students who want to get involved with the campaign or who want to hold their university to account? Yeah, totally. Um, so if, uh, the, the National Day of Action, it's happening on um, Nagasaki Day, actually, to um, remember what, um, you know, wars, <laughs> the reality of wars are, um, even when we're told that they're for, um, you know, democracy and, and freedom. Um, yeah, the, the awful uh, kind of history of um, especially what nuclear means um, when brought into that. It's happening um, in every major city um, and there will be contingents organised um, on most university campuses. Um, students who are interested in coming along can find out all of this information on the NUS Education Department Facebook page um, or Instagram uh, or other social media Um if you yeah go to look it up, uh, get in touch with um, us uh, and find out what the next event is. There's lots of different ways people can come uh, just to attend the rally, but also there's uh, banner paintings and um, poster runs and leafleting and talking to students and all of the sort of stuff to get the word out about uh, the protest. Um, and the best way to do that is to contact us through um, yeah those uh, official pages. <laughs> So for listeners uh, based here in uh, Melbourne, where 3CR is, where and when will this rally take place? Um, so it's taking place at the State Library at 1pm um, next Wednesday, the 9th of August. Um, yeah, so if people want to um, you know, make their opposition to war um, and their demands for um, improvements in the cost of living situation, they should come um, their placards um, and their voices to you know, make our message um, heard. And for people who might not be able to attend the rally on the day, is there a way for them to still show support? Yeah, um, yeah. getting the word out through social media um, is a fine place to start. I think that, you know, the more of us who are talking about this stuff, the more um, it can help build um, opposition to, uh, yeah, the drive to war that we're seeing. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we have time for this morning, Emma, but thank you so much for joining us on Tuesday Breakfast and to talk about this important issue and the rally this weekend. Oh, sorry, on August no 9th. Thanks for having me. That was Emma, UniMelb's Student Union Environment Officer and Organiser for the Welfare Not Warfare National Day of Action, speaking to us about the upcoming rally on August 9th. There will be protests happening all around the country, so to find the closest one to you, you can follow the account at Welfare Not Warfare on Instagram. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but Muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. 
Grassroots Voice is broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Where does the profit your power company makes end up? If you join CoPower, you get to decide where 100% of our revenue goes. So while we work to dismantle the whole broken energy market, our members are building the world they want to live in by supporting strike funds, renewables projects, anti-poverty initiatives, and much more. So change your power company and then start changing everything else. That's what CoPower is all about. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. You are. Local Food Connections interviews with food producers, backyard growers and urban farmers. Join us every Sunday morning at 10am on 3CR Community Radio 855 on your AM dial, on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Local Food Connections, a show about the importance of local food in sustainable communities. From dust to dust, you gotta just trust that upper crust and maintain that good terrain from whence you came. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. We're going to share an interview with you now where Doing Times Marissa Spasaro talks to Jenny Weber. Jenny is the campaign manager at the Bob Brown Foundation and they discuss Dr. Collot Harmson, who was recently jailed for three months in Tasmania for defending the Tarkin Forest. Dr. Collette has been an activist with Bob Brown Foundation for 10 years and is a scientist and wildlife veterinarian. And we're speaking now with Jenny Weber, Bob Brown Foundation. Hello, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today. It's lovely to have you, Jenny. Now, I'm wondering if you could talk about what's happened with Dr. Collette and I believe that she's one of Bob Brown Foundation's most passionate and dedicated activists. That's right. The Bob Brown Foundation's been around for 10 years, and Colette has been with us all the way. Uh, Colette is a scientist. Uh, she's formerly been employed by the government to look after Tasmanian devils, and uh, she's actually a fantastic wildlife veterinarian. Uh, and she was uh, sentenced last Friday to three-month prison and as you uh, introduced, she went straight into um, the women's prison that afternoon last Friday. Um, she was sentenced uh, three months uh, for protest, and on top of that three months, she's also been given another six-month suspended sentence based on a two-year good behaviour bond. Um, and so Colette is someone who has seen uh, the terrible, terrible uh, damage that's going on out in our forest and into China, and she's just someone who has taken action. She really has stood up and, and participated in civil disobedience um, over and over again. But she's a classic intelligent woman who's putting her hand up to the government and saying, hello, there's these problems, um, fix them. And instead of the government fixing them, you know, they, they send in the police to arrest the, the peaceful forest defenders. So this is not unusual anymore, is it? It's no longer surprising. So people are actually being jailed now for peacefully protesting? Yeah, in New South Wales, um, unfortunately, it, it is a bit more apparent. Um, it is new for Australia, really. I mean, Tasmania has... Um, you know, people went to jail during the um, 
Franklin case, but that was actually the Franklin River time was because they wouldn't sign their bail notices. Um, Then there were people, there were two men who um, were sentenced to prison on breaking suspended sentences about 12 years ago in Tasmania over the pulp mill and and logging of native forest here. Um, Nish and uh, Ali were their names. But Colette's actually the first woman in Tasmania to be sentenced as an environmental defender to prison. So it's actually quite um, ridiculous in 2023 when we're facing our hottest days on record across the globe and we've got all these climate catastrophes that are happening, especially here in Australia with those terrible bushfires, that we are dailing scientists who have been protesting. So though, yes, in New South Wales we have seen appalling um, anti-protest laws introduced and and being um, rolled out in in seeing people like Violet Coco, who spent two weeks or more in prison herself in, in New South Wales and others. It's it's demoralising for for people to go to prison for this. I mean, there was there was nothing violent here. It was what do they get her for? This is exactly the problem. It's classic too in in our um, nation that we live in, where it's all Aboriginal land that was never ceded. Um, that the companies are being given the right to to destroy these public lands of their forests, or you know, mining companies um, being able to do mining, where Colette was um, charged with trespass. So she's not only um, charged with trespass for walking on public land, but, you know, unceded Aboriginal land and then sent to prison. She was also charged with um, offences related to, um, you know, being attached with a steel pipe to a machine, which is destroying that that area. So they are absolutely 100% non-violent acts. You know, Colette is one of our best non-violent trainers. She um, carries out non-violent direct action workshops here, um, in our office and out in the field, and she's one of the best. She, she's such a great person at training hundreds of people into non-violent direct action. It's 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 quite horrendous, really. And have have you spoken to her? How is she? Yes, I just spoke to her just half an hour ago. She rang. She's doing fine. You know, she actually. Um, she she was preparing herself for quite a while that she would be going to prison because she had a three-month suspended sentence and this was why it was activated. She had a three-month suspended sentence and she had um, bail conditions where she wasn't allowed 30 kilometres from her house. So since July last year, she hasn't been able to go further than 30 kilometres beyond her house. She had a period of time um, with her bail conditions where police would turn up for home visits unannounced at any time and often that was at midnight or at 11pm, um, and so since July last year, she's actually been, you know, in draconian sort of, uh, you know, treatment of non-violent protesters. Um, so she, she called earlier today. She said she's had 75 letters, so they're really uplifting for her and people talking about how they're getting into action, you know, because of her. Um, I visited with her last week, and she had visitors today. I mean... You know, your listeners would know better than anyone about how harsh it is that you can only have one half an hour visit a week. Um, you know, there's there's tough there's tough sanctions on people who are who are already um, you know being punished for their crimes, but then to have disconnection from society like that is is rough. But you know what, Colette's doing okay. She she actually, as I said, prepared herself for this and she's holding up. This is really appalling. It's appalling. This is stuff that's not covered in the mainstream media and 
you know, that could have been me. Like, I was heavily involved in the East Gippsland blockades um, some years ago now, and I locked onto a bulldozer at one stage, and I wasn't even arrested. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that you have watched, like Colette has, successive governments just ignore scientists' warnings. Yes. Um, you know, ignore the warnings from all over the world that, you know, we need to protect forests. And classically, you know, they ignore the fact that they went through the same primary school teaching. And you ask any primary school te- person now about why do we need trees? We need trees to breathe and we need trees for, you know, clean water. And these are all things that we take for granted especially um, in Australia, in the actual places that are surrounded by incredible forests where they just think it's okay to keep destroying them. So one of the most recent shocking experiences for Colette was um, because she's a wildlife expert, um, a lot of the sort of terrible images that people find, um, you know, wildlife that look like they're sick in the forest or they've been impacted by the logging. And the most recent one was a uh, Tasmanian devil that had been completely incinerated by the um, helicopter burns that they do after logging. So they, you know, they drop their napalm-like substance. And she received those photos and, you know, she thought that that was actually the sort of thing that you release to the media and there will be change. If anyone, you know, believes in what can trigger change, it should be that. And it didn't. And, you know, like she was just beside herself. But, I mean, I think the thing about Colette is that she's seen so much destruction and written all the letters. She's one of the best Tasmanian letter writers for the newspaper. Um, You know, she really has lobbied and worked really hard to talk to people for the last 15 years. And it is appalling that here she is sitting in a prison when she's an extraordinary scientist that could be helping with the change that needs to happen to protect nature. I mean, there are a couple of things I'm thinking about as you're speaking, and, and one of them is that, generally speaking, there's quite a lot of draconian things that the police are getting away with. You know, for example, those those conditions that you were talking about, they're horrendous the ba- to do with the bail. Yeah, with the things that we're finding, New South Wales um, activist friends are having probably the hardest time right now, and and Colette definitely did as well. I mean, the thing is, is that every single time these draconian um, bail conditions are given is a time when there could be change. Um, yes. You know, it is disappointing um, that, I mean, it's still a criminal offence to attempt to protect what the environment we have left. Yeah. Um, I can't even... I mean, it's also what's really important is for us activist community not just not to just accept it you know, not to become blasé about the fact that we don't get listened to by the governments and the governments don't see change. What um, the main thing Colette um, is keen on pushing on with is doing it for the forest. So her website is called Doing It For The Forest. She's got a new tattoo that, that says Doing It For The Forest. She keeps saying that to herself as a mantra to keep her strength up in, in prison. And um, last night we posted a message from her that she recorded out of prison, which was asking people to, to get active for the forest. And when I was speaking to her today, I said, you know, there were so many people on the comments saying, I will go to this rally, collect for you. I will go and take action on this for you. So she's inspiring people, um, and that's what's really important, is to make sure what's... she's not left and forgotten in there in prison. Thank you. That's fantastic. What's her prison address in case people wish to write? Does she need more letters? Yes. 
yes, she absolutely loves the letters and she's writing back to people, so she'd love people to put their return address on it. Um, she's actually got a great little website as well if people wanted to share it. But her address is Colette Harmson, H-A-R-M-S-E-N, and you have to put her number on, which is OTS number 116-318. And she's at PO Box 24, Lindisfarne, Tasmania. Now, doing it for the forest.com is her website, and on the website it has a great little post that says write to me at the women's prison that gives you the address and um, yeah, the things that you can and can't send. I mean, we are just flummoxed about how people in Tasmania in the prison can't receive books. You think a simple thing that someone can do whilst in prison is to read a book, and I think in Victoria it's different. You might be able to tell me, but, yeah, I, people have been surprised that, that they've not just been able to send her a book or... Um, Disgusting. But she actually is really um, finding that writing letters to people and receiving letters from people is, is keeping her spirits up. We'll have to see about these books because I think you can get them from the publisher or from Amazon. Right, and so um, we were told here in Tasmania at the prison last week that you can donate books to um, the State Library. You can donate them directly to the Women's Prison Library, and so she does have a library in there that she can access. And um, yeah, we were, So that's something that we have been spreading the word to people is to, yeah, donate books to your local library and make sure you tell them that it, I would like it to go to the local prison because it just means that people can access... Um, you know, something to, to read. Absolutely. Jenny, th thank you so much for coming onto the program. I'd love to actually speak with you regularly, you know, maybe monthly and while she's in, Dr. Colette is in prison, just to get an yeah. update. Is that okay? That'd be so good. And she would love to speak to you when she's um, out too. So I would love the to. The 14th of October is a big day for her and, and she would love to speak to you afterwards. So, yeah, let's keep in touch. We're really, really thankful for people to be able to hear about Dr. Colette Harmson and her great um, efforts that she is doing right now, which is um, being a political prisoner in Tasmania's women's prison. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. That was Doing Times Marissa Sp Spazzaro talking to Jenny Weber from the Bob Brown Foundation. Jenny spoke about Dr. Colette Harmson, who was jailed for three months in Tasmania for defending the Tarkine Forest. Dr. Collette is due to be released on 14th of August, so keep tuning in to do in time for any updates or future potential chats with Dr. Collette. And if you missed it, her website is doingitfortheforests.com. You're listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. To wrap up the show this morning, we thought it'd be good to, uh, in order to celebrate the Matildas win last night over Canada in the Women's World Cup, we're going to play some new Australian music to continue celebrating incredible local talent. We'll start off with the latest track from Chitra, a Nam-based singer-songwriter. This is In My Opinion.
That was In My Opinion by Chitro. Kian is a proud Lanji durable Badu Islander artist who, in 2019, ventured from their hometown in North Queensland to pursue a dream here in the Eastern Kulin Nation. Their new track, Sunsets, is produced by Alice Ivy and is about pausing and connecting with spirit and country. Here is that track for you.
That was Sunsets by Kian. We're rounding out the show this morning, playing you some new local music to celebrate the Matildas win last night. Zimbabwean-born and Melbourne-based singer-songwriter Tando has been gracing stages around Australia with her electric presence and powerhouse vocals. We're going to play her track Forever, which was released back in June. About the way I feel about you Even though there are times We feel we're better off without it You're made for me And I for you yeah. I just wanna spend time with you Just wanna spend time with you Oh And I wanna grow on with you I wanna grow on with you My baby I wanna spend time with you, just wanna spend time with you, oh, and I wanna grow old with you, I wanna grow old with you, no measure of time will ever be enough for me to show you all that I have, and give it my heart up to you, we've been through so many trials, I'm with you till the day I die. I'm always gonna see you through This is my vow to you uh. I just wanna spend time with you Just wanna spend time with you My baby And I wanna grow on with you I wanna grow on with you My baby Not asking for much Not asking for much Not asking for much Oh, I just wanna spend time with you And I wanna grow on with you On with you I grow with you, I walk beside you every day My baby Walk beside you, I walk beside you Walk beside you, I walk beside you That was Forever by Tando, her latest track. We have one final song for you this morning, carrying out this 1st of August in a slow, cruisy way for you. Um, This next one is Letting Go by Angie McMahon.
places I've been learning about wasting time and closing some doors hoping to open more down the line I knew from miles away that I would detonate I tried so listening to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast that song there was Letting Go by Angie McMahon a new track from her thank you for the caller who let us know that they're enjoying the music this morning it's always a treat to share some extra songs with you all unfortunately that's the wrap of our show this morning at 1st of August here on Tuesday Breakfast We started the show with an interview with Solidarity Breakfast's Annie McLaughlin speaking to landowner and forest defender Sharon O'Dell about the continued fight to save the Bulga Forest. We then heard from Sue Bolton speaking to us about the next action for the Sydney Road Accessible Transport campaign on September 17th. To keep up to date with that campaign, you can go to facebook.com slash SATS campaign. At 7.45, we were joined by Emma, UniMelb Student Union Environment Officer and organiser for the Welfare, Not Warfare, National Day of Action, who was speaking to us about the upcoming rally on August 9th. There will be protests happening all around the country, so to find the one closest to you, you can follow the account at Welfare, Not Warfare on Instagram. We then revisited an interview between Jenny Weber, 
campaign manager at the Bob Brown Foundation, who was speaking with Doing Times Marissa Spasaro about Dr. Colette Harmson, who is currently in jail in Tasmania for defending the Tarkine Forest. And to wrap up the show, you were just hearing some local new local favourite music in celebration of the Matildas win last night. Thank you for joining us this Tuesday morning. Tune in to 3CR Breakfast Shows each weekday, 7am till 8.30 here at 8.55am. And as always, Accent of Women is up next. Where does the profit your power company makes end up? If you join CoPower, you get to decide where 100% of our revenue goes. So while we work to dismantle the whole broken energy market, our members are building the world they want to live in by supporting strike funds, renewables projects, anti-poverty initiatives, and much more. So change your power company and then start changing everything else. That's what CoPower is all about. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the new international bookshop. Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.